Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. be forgotten that if you did indeed watch last night's episode of AEW Dynamite, that somewhere on this thing we called Earth, this exact conversation must have happened. Hey son, how's that wrestling of yours? Well dad, a dinosaur beat up a child. And this is why I like the grappling, this is why I like the wrestling, this is why I like the sports entertainment, because really, it's nuts. Otherwise though, hello, my name is Siren for What Culture, and what's more important than all of that is taking this, the finger of power, and giving the good bits and up, and the bad bits are down, and yes, it's just a review show, it's just my opinion, and do I deserve anything? No, let's up those doubts. <laughs> You all know the first thing that happened on Dynamite this week. Excalibur welcomed us to the show and then went, Hi, we've got a brand new person as part of our announced team. And out came Renee Paquette. Damn right. Rumours suggested that WWE also wanted her back. And don't forget it's taken this long because that was written into her deal. And what we should really do is just make her the mean Jean Oakland of all elite wrestling. She can stand up to wrestlers and be like, man, I'm going to hold everything together because I tell you this, she's very good. She also welcomed Christian Cage to proceedings. And even though he is a Canadian and this episode of AEW was in Canada, he was all like, ah, ah, your sports team really sucks. Every single time you do that, fans get upset. But the real thing you should do is go, I don't really care. And then his words have no power. It also meant we were going straight into Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus. And this was very hard to me, as we've already alluded to, because it was a kid taking on a dinosaur. Is that really something we want to see? It also meant that classic story has happened once again. Boy meets dinosaur in a jungle. They become friends. They become tag team champions. When dinosaur, remember, he's a reptile and tries to kill the boy. I did like how we started, though, because Jungle Boy was just like, listen, you are a bad tamale, so I'm just going to run at you and try and beat the crap out of you. And yes, we have now started to use Jungle Boy as a nickname, because on this episode of Dynamite especially, there was a lot of Jack Perry, Jack Perry. Oh, hey, it's Jack Perry. Now, am I going to keep calling him Jungle Boy? Probably. Probably because change is really hard. He was a little too focused on Christian who was on commentary because he kept looking at him and this is how Luchasaurus got back in the thing. <laughs> he just grabbed JB and he started to chuck him around a place. Cage also did inform us that the reason Lucha D had turned his back on his former friend was because he had reminded him, hey, he's running around here saying he's a pillar of AEW, but I don't see him mentioning you. And that does carry some weight, but I would have preferred a better explanation 
doesn't really matter, but I wanted to let you know. Despite being a prehistoric creature, Luchasaurus also set up a table, I was like, that's pretty damn impressive, when he grabbed Jungle and he threw him into Barry Barricade. This is when I realized I was losing my mind because I was like, eat him, eat him. Because of course, once again, he is a dinosaur and that's what they do. Of course, Perry was able to turn things around when Luchasaurus rang at him like a Batman Arkham Asylum boss. He just got out the way, meaning the dino rang straight into the turnbuckle. And this is when he was like, well, you set up that piece of wood, I'm going to try and chuck you through it. Luchasaurus was able to fight back and he too tried to do this. But eventually, <laughs> this was absolutely nuts. Jungle Boy ran at the ropes and he hit a sunset flip powerbomb. Luchasaurus got thrown to the floor through a table. It was all geared up for the big win, especially when Jungle Boy was going to apply the snare trap. But this is when Christian came to ringside. You can see where this is going. He cast distraction and allowed Luchasaurus to hit the mega super duper choke slam. And he hit kind of a burning hammer, which is crazy. One, two, three. The bad guys had done it. Mr. Burns had won it. So the bad guy screwed over a child, but I did like this because we did have to keep the feud going, or it is kind of baffling. While Jungle Boy has lost all these matches, especially because his big woo-ha with Christian isn't going to happen for a while, because Christian is still injured. However, it was really nice to see Luchasaurus get a win because he is really good, and sometimes I think we forget about that. So even though he is evil now, get it up. It is also a distraction finish, though. Come on now, Christian literally went to ringside. I was like, hey, hey, Jungle. Jungle Boy, look over here. But actually, ever since I reintroduced these counters, both WWE and AEW has calmed down with this, which means maybe we have to keep the counters alive to bring balance to the force. Either way, bring it down, adds a one. Ready Paquette was then backstage with Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page, a private party of Matt Hardy. And Ethan Page and Stokely were like, <laughs> so listen to this. We've actually gone and purchased the contracts of Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. So they now belong to the firm. Now, this results in two things. One, of course, it carries on the contract tampering stuff. But two, you'd have to say that given they bought them from Andrade... That guy is suspended after the altercation with Sammy Guevara. This storyline is also nuts, though, because straight away, Ethan Page carried on going, ha, 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 I tell you what we do. On Friday on Rampage, it'll be you versus me, Isaiah Cassidy. And if I win, the contracts will stay alive and Matt Hardy has to join us. But if I lose, all of a sudden, that contract thing I just told you about is null and void. So what a waste of legal money. Well, I suppose it was justified because it is one ultimatum versus another ultimatum. But as I have said one, two, three times a lady, I don't understand this narrative at all. I have no idea what's going on. What we should do is Ethan Page should win and that should be his platform to bigger things. The guy is great and needs a push. We then had our crazy dynamite match after this because it was Wardlow and Samoa Joe or War Joe taking on QT Marshall and Nick Comorato. Where that come from? Now, as my friend Nicky has come up, we do always have to remind ourselves that he keeps yelling at me on Twitter, given the fact I am bald. It hurts me, I tell you, it hurts you. And bless QT, because the first thing is he did was went, <laughs> War Joe. That's a stupid name. It is a stupid name. Clearly, Joe War is the better of the two. Mostly because it sounds like a dude that would work in HR. 
as you've already guessed, Wardlow and Samoa Joe just wrecked these fools. They ran through them like a chain before eventually Samoa Joe locked on the Kikita clutch and we were done. Tap out. QT Marshall also was about to get Powerbomb Symphony and Wardlow did hit him with one when all of a sudden the gates of agony were here and Brian Cage and Prince Nana, they were just yelling at these two like, we hate you, we hate you so much, why did you have to get involved in our business? And I was like, why did they get involved in their business? I have absolutely no idea. FTR's name was also brought up during this. Of course, Cash and Dax came out, which is the way in wrestling. They were like, look, Wardrow over here have already worked one match, but we want to take you three on, so who can be our tag team partner? It was the returning Sean Spears. For some reason, he's a good guy now, but he did get a massive reaction because he is from Canada. And of course, they went and whipped everybody's ass. So sure, we are now going to get that trios match in a couple of days. And I did enjoy all of this, especially seeing how happy Sean was to get a big pop. So it is going to get an up. But if somebody barged in here right now, put a gun to my head. And they said, Simon, explain this storyline to me. I was like, pal, you may as well pull that trigger because I don't even understand where the gates of agony have come from. While it's not a big deal, it does have to get it down, mostly because somebody mentioned that to me on Twitter, and I couldn't argue it. (laughs) When I can't argue it, you gotta go with the facts. 2.0 and Chris Jericho were then hanging out backstage playing Nintendo. This was just great, because Angelo Parker and Matt Menard were like, man, we're just so sad about this. How dare you, Brian Danielson? You have broken up a family. This, of course, is because Daniel Garcia is being torn away from the Jericho Appreciation Society, and Jericho did remind us that, yes, later on, he will be taking on the American Dragon, and he's going to win because he's the Ocho and the Lionheart. Also, I swear somehow Chris Jericho is getting younger. Somebody needs to get his special sauce. It was then time for Swerve Strickland versus Billy Gunn. Sorry, daddy-ass Billy Gunn. I tell you... This was a small piece of genius. Because Daddy Ass is just so over no matter where he goes, you can't help but smile. And Swerve Strickland has segued into this heel role with absolute aplomb, because everything he's saying is true. He's just being a dick about it. Before all this, Max Caster and Anthony Bowen did their shtick too. And they just got so many cheers. I was like, oh man, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. And then early on, Gunn was using his power, but that didn't last too long because Swerve is really quick and he was using his speed. He also worked over Bill's leg because, of course, if you can't stand, how the hell are you going to wrestle? Even when Billy Gunn got back into this, he was like, man, should I do a crotch chop? Oh no, maybe I should do some scissoring. And he took so long, Swerve was like, bro, it's a wrestling match. Punched him in the face. That came after Gunn had missed the famous two because he was dollying around. And this is when Strickland hit the Swerve stomp and it looked like he was going to win. But he was too busy going, oh man, I'm going to do a lax cover here. And Billy Gunn actually kicked out. Sadly though, Gunn then went for the one and only or whatever the hell it's called and Swerve got out of the way. And he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And the ref went one. The ref went too. Swerve looked around and went, oh yeah, I am a massive moron. And he grabbed the ropes and he got the three. This guy. This then became absolutely fabulous because the acclaimed regroup in order to do some scissoring, when Mark Sterling and Tony Nese came out, and you just know this story is going to annoy so many people, because Sterling was like, right, listen, here's what I've done. 
I have trademark scissor me to the point if you do it again, I'm going to sue you and you can keep selling your t-shirts, but every single penny is now coming to me. Now, I absolutely love this because it goes back to my last point. You can introduce any kind of story you want and it doesn't matter if it's ludicrous and it doesn't matter if it's ridiculous. If I have an emotional connection to it, I will get on board. So now I'm like Mark Sterling. How dare you stop the scissoring? Because we all love the scissoring, and now you are the person that is going to take it away. And of course, the acclaimed will win it back eventually. But it's just a nice little nugget. I really thought this was very entertaining. The acclaimed are just the best. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. And then things got very interesting. Now, I am still going to presume this is a ruse, but as Alex Marvez was interviewing MJF, Stokely Hathaway interrupted, and for the second week in the world, Maxwell Jacob Freeman was like, listen, firm member, you keep doing things that I'm not asking you to do, that's strike two, and you don't want to get to strike three. When Stokely had left as well, MJF was even like, well, maybe I was going to shake Wheeler Yu's hand last week, and maybe I wasn't, we will never know. And when it comes to William Regal, well, we have a past, and maybe one day we'll deal with it. We then went into this like crazy, because MJF was like, oh yeah, everybody hates me, well, I hate myself, especially when I look at the mirror. But I learned a long time ago that nice guys finish last, 
So when I do go out there, I have to be a super duper mega dick. Otherwise, I'm never going to become world champion. And believe you me, before this year is over, I'm going to hold that gold. So this is absolutely great because it's massively intriguing. I don't know whether I'm being tricked. I don't know that AEW is actually going to try and make MGF a babyface. I would prefer him as a heel. But let's face it, he is getting cheered all over the place. So this just gets a massive round of applause. We planted so many seeds and I can't call it either way. And you need to be a damn good performer to pull that off. Get it up. And given that we weren't talking about the main event picture too, out came John Moxley. This guy. Tony Schiavone was in charge and right away Mox got the microphone. He was just like, look, it's hard to be the champion. There's a lot of weight on your shoulders, a lot of pressure. But I tell you, I live for this so you can keep piling it on and I'll keep smashing them down. This is wrestling though. So as soon as he had mentioned Hangman Adam Page's name, the Cowboys music hit. So once again, he must have been backstage going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, oh, there it hit the play button. He is a new challenger, so he must have hit start on controller two. And he got right in Moxie's face and was like, look, anything you have got to say, you say it right here. And also a week or so ago, you called me a kid and that's how you see me, isn't it? Jonathan was like, yeah, I do. You are a massive child and you're worse than you were a year ago. This is when Paige agreed, but he kind of went off in a different direction because he said, look, I'm not the same person I was 12 months ago. I'm a mess. I'm distracted. All my friends keep vanishing. I tried to win the trios title. I wasn't able to do it and I dropped the ball in my world title match and I lost that as well. But damn it, you don't get to call me a child because I keep getting back to my feet because I'm a man. And the whole time during this, he was just slapping himself and he was really going at it. And I was like, oh, there it is, my adrenaline. He also finished all of this by saying he doesn't care the championship matches in Moxie's hometown because he's going to beat him and he's going to become the champion again. And then when he left the ring, he shoulder bashed him and was like, well, that was an effective segment because now I want to see these two guys go at it. And look, we kept zooming in on MGF who was in the crowd with his comical oversized chip during this and he hid at a chant, but that is totally fine because that's the third piece of the puzzle. Wrestling is at its best when you have all these storylines being mixed up in a big cauldron as a witch goes, <laughs> I've got a massive plan. So I thought this was a terrific piece of business because look, now I kind of think that maybe Hangman can win, although I'm pretty sure Moxley is going to, and maybe Maxwell does something too. So honestly, back to back, this just got you so pumped. Getting it up. We then got a quick reminder that Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho are both terrific athletes because it was time for their Ring of Honor World Championship match. And don't forget, this is round three, which also made me pleased because sometimes AEW does a match and you're like, what? Where did it go? And the feud doesn't continue. Whereas this one's been going on for ages and it just gets better and better and better and better. The real joy of this one is that Brian Danielson should not be losing because he's lost too much, but also Chris Jericho should not be losing because I don't want to see the Ring of Honor title leave his waist. So I sat down and I crossed my arms and I went, ooh, Delali, they've got the recipe just right. Brian was also smart too because he kicked Chris Jericho's hand away because he went for that handshake, but he's been turning that into shenanigan film nutsness. <laughs> they just went absolutely bonkers. Like they were on the outside in about 7.2 seconds. Danielson then hit a dive before working over the champion's midsection. But when the Ocho had fought back and he was doing the 10 punches in the corner, he finished it off with a Hurricane Rana. And that's always I'm like, <laughs> he is 51 years old. Why doesn't he make any sense? Two plus two equals potato. Brian then got back into this by just roundhousing Jericho right in the head. And that did make me laugh because I was like, yeah, that'll do it. And this really was then back and forth because Jericho was doing springboard cross bodies and Danielson was coming back with these avalanche suplexes. And then there was the label lock. Then there was the walls of Jericho. And when Brian reversed that, 
that into a box of Jericho of his own. This Canadian crowd was like, no, no American Dragon. The other dude is from here. We're going to have to boo you. Jericho got out of that. And even though he missed the lion salt, he was still able to hit a code breaker for a really good near fall. And given that they kept running at each other, this is when the referee got knocked out. Easily Matt Menard threw the Ring of Honor tile into the ring. Jericho was like, that's a great idea. I'm going to use it. And yes, it took a long old while for Daniel Garcia to come out and stop him doing this. But I don't care. There's so many people on the internet going, oh, it ruined it. It ruined it. It's not important. It's not a big deal. Go and get a real problem. It then did go full sports entertainment, though, because even though Garcia did stop him and kind of pushed Jericho into Brian Danielson's running knee, as Brian turned his back, Garcia went, ha ha, he took the wrong of title belt, he slammed Danielson right in the head, which allowed Jericho to pin him for the one, two, three. So these absolute goobers swerved us. I tell you this, I am so glad they did. They all celebrated after as well, so there is no ambiguity here. Everyone was giving Daniel Garcia a big hug. And of course, the rest of the BCC, Sans John Moxley came out after this like, well, how dare you do it? And I tell you why this is a good idea, because now we can continue to shine the spotlight on Wheeler Utah in the Blackpool Combat Club, while also doing the same for Garcia in the JAS. And Wheels has been really good recently. So as far as I'm concerned, this just connects the dots. It was also a fantastic match. Chris Jericho continues his, I don't know, plan to dishonor Ring of Honor. I mean, tell you, what a great story that is. Up. And then we just had the best nonsense after this. I mean, it was goofy wrestling up the whim-wham, but please keep on giving it to me. Because Reddy Paquette was backstage with Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, and Vicky Guerrero. Nyla Rose was stood there with the TBS Championship saying, yep, that's right, I'm the champion now because I wear the belt. She even referenced Judge Dead and was like, I am the law. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It then got even wackier because Anna JS walked in and said, all right, I believe you. So why don't we have a championship match on Rampage? And I get it. This is ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. But do I look like I care? No. Nyla Rose is so good in these kind of positions. She should be doing it every single week. And I am more excited about this match than anything else that was bigged up on the show. And when you do that, man, you can't defeat my armor. I am giving it up. It was more women's tag team wrestling next, and we have been doing that a lot recently. And given that Jamie Hayter is featured in every single one, and every time Jamie Hayter goes out there, no matter what the country, she gets a massive cheer, I really think we need to pull the trigger on this suit. Because I tell you, it's like Batista said, you got to give us what we want. Otherwise, eventually, we will stop cheering. For some reason, that's just what wrestling fans do. Other than that, it was Hater and Britt Baker taking on Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm. Every kind of combination we have done recently has just worked so well. Because every single person got in, they ran a spot, they ran a sequence, it was really good. Then people tagged in, they came in, they ran a sequence, they ran a spot. And it was just flowing and flowing like some water. The crowd was absolutely crazy for this the whole time too, which did help. And at one point, just when it looked like the good guys were going to get into it, Baker cast distraction and Jamie Hater hit this boot on Tony Storm. And I was like, well, that's it. She's dead. Baker and Hater then did beat up on Tony Storm for a little while. And don't forget, she's the champion. Much like Wardlow, I do have this little thing deep down in my tum-tum that's like, man, I think they should be in singles programs because that just helps the title. It all led to Sheena getting the hot tag. And as ever, she ran wild. She took up Britt Baker and then she suplexed Jamie Hater from the apron to the inside. Side. Given that these two fools were still around, she picked one up, 
and she threw them into the other one. And I always enjoy human projectiles. This then went bonkers because the tag klaxon ha went off because Baker was blocking Sheeda's moves. So Jamie Hayter got in there and she took out Sheeda. When Tony Storm returned and she took out Jamie Hayter, when Britt Baker was like, oh, hey, and she took out Tony Storm, I think. That could have been wrong. In fact, that was incorrect because it actually ended with Britt hitting the curb stop into Sheeda for a good near fall. And then Tony Storm apparently the whole time had been storing up her finishes because she hit every single one and that was going to be the finish before Jamie Hayter was back and she just stumbled into everyone. Throughout all that too, Britt Baker then applied a lockjaw onto Sheeda, but she went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. So Baker went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. So Sheeda went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment and kind of amazingly got the one, two, three. There was also a falcon arrow in there by Sheeda. I completely left that one out because I am an idiot, but I kind of think that we should do Sheeda versus Tony Storm for the title. I don't know why. I don't care it's babyface versus babyface. That's just how I felt at the end of this, but I tell you, really good. Up. Butcher and the Blade were then in the back just yelling at Claudio Castagnoli because last week he had spun both members of Private Party and these guys think that made them look like kids. I mean, that's genuinely what they were annoyed about. They also just continued to shout, fight us, fight us the entire time. So I presume they're going to fight them. I really like the Butcher, the Blade and the Bunny. I mean, there is just something about them. I always enjoy seeing them on my TV. They also run a successful business. So they're my heroes. This all meant our main event was Orange Cassidy taking on Pac for the All-Atlantic Championship. And was it obvious what was going to happen here? Yes, but did it take anything away from it? No. Cassidy was so riled up by old MC Hammer over here, he just flew in with the orange punch to begin with. But this is Pac we're talking about. He's a bastard, he's no fool. And he got out of the way of that started to beat him up. He absolutely murdered Cassidy at one point and then kind of mocked his gimmick by putting his hands in his pocket. But he shouldn't have done that because Orange got back to his feet. He threw Pac to the outside, but when Cassidy went to do a dive, Pac caught him and gave him suplex on the floor. And I said it out loud, I was like, that damn Pac, he's one of the best wrestlers ever, and I mean it ever. It also reminded me that these two just have such good chemistry, because every time they do get at it, it's great, even though it's like Mr. Nutball versus Mr. Calm Socks. And given that Orange Cassidy was a lifeless mess, Pac quite literally dragged his lifeless body to the top of the ramp, and he gave him a tombstone. And I was like, well, that's it. How's he ever going to get out of that one? Pac agreed as well because he went back in the ring. He was like, referee, you better count him out. But because he was on the top of the rampway, Horace Cassidy rolled. He used his own momentum and he got back in the ring at nine. But sadly, he rolled too much because he went straight into the brutalizer and I was laughing. He was able to get to the ropes and this is when Pac decided I'm going to get that damn hammer. But finally, finally, this is when the ref was like, I know what you're trying to do, Pac. I'm not going to let you do it. And that was kind of the story to the end of this thing. Anytime Pac wanted to use the weapon, the official, the person in charge was like, no, you are not. It also allowed Cassidy to fight back and hit this DDT. And honestly, nobody sells a DDT like Pac. He goes into the floor and his whole body just contorts. But I tell you, it's great. There's then pure street fighters. They were double tapping everything. And one guy would do one good move and the other one would do another good move. And at one point, Pac's ear was just bleeding to the point it actually looked like he got some ketchup and gone right in his hole. He clearly panicked because of this. So he went to get the hammer once more but as the ring attendant stood up and revealed themselves it was Danhausen. everybody went crazy and Danhausen's big plan was ha, ha, i'm gonna curse you so pack punched him right in the face 
This was the greatest night in the history of wrestling. It did mean that Pac was able to get the hammer, but this is once again when the referee was like, give me that, you stupid child. When he did went to pick it back, Pac just got another hammer from under the ring and that did make me laugh. But this didn't work at all because Orange Cassidy cut him off. He pretended he was gonna use the weapon. He changed his mind because he's a good guy. And then he hit orange punch after orange punch after orange punch after orange punch. Pac sold every single one like he had been hit with a hammer. Cassidy pinned him, one, two, three. Brand new All-Atlantic Champion. Canada went absolutely nuts, as did I. This was tremendous. It also means I was kind of right, because way back in the day when AEW was starting, I said that this would happen to Orange Cassidy. What I actually said was he'd be the world champion before the end of 2021, but who's counting? The story is absolutely awesome, though, because it's so simple. Pac did keep cheating, and eventually it caught up with him, and it meant that AEW Dynamite went off air with all the best friends hugging and a brand new champion. You can't get mad at that, because don't forget, wrestling is meant to make you feel warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum. That's why I started saying it. It is getting an easy up. This, of course, brought us to the end of Dynamite, and I won't even stand on ceremony. Mr. Wayne, it does get an up, I thought, especially because of the crowd. This was pretty damn fantastic. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, Headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.